Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today, my guest is Megan Robinson. Megan is the principal at eLeader Experience and works with individuals and teams to develop self-leadership skills that grow companies. Inspired by her own successful career in corporate and entrepreneurial environments, Megan makes leadership approachable for everyone, regardless of title, position, or experience. We take a look at the idea that when it comes to bringing big ideas to life, there's the tactical side of the equation and the strategic side of the equation. It's one thing to have a big idea, it's another thing to execute and bring it to life. We discuss how to be tactical and productive instead of just busy, how to get your team to take ownership of your big idea, when to be strategic and when to be tactical, and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Megan. I appreciate you taking the time. So excited to be here, Mark. Thank you for making the time for me too. And I would love to jump right in. The last conversation we had, we were talking about bringing big ideas to life and you were talking about the tactical side of the equation and also the strategic side of the equation. Could you speak more to that? Yeah. When we started talking about your your core themes and I love big ideas. And I love visionary leaders and I love, you know, pushing people to create more vision and more goals and bigger ideas. But there's always this challenge of being able to create that idea and that push and pull into how do you execute it? And for me, that's that balance of being tactical and strategic. And I think so much of our society is focused on this strategic edge and you need to be strategic. And how are you building up your uh, your strategic problem solving, your thinking ability? But there's this deprioritization on tactics. And when you say bringing big ideas to life, the tactics and the actual execution of bringing those ideas are also critical and important. And so when I look at how are you creating a beautiful vision, how are you creating the big ideas and how are you getting it done and taking those measurable bite-sized steps? For me, the skill that came to, to mind and was so critical for combining those two is actually project management. And project management has evolved over the years. The need for it has only increased, but I find more and more leaders and more and more, honestly, just professionals that need to have that project management skill set in managing and balancing what those tactical elements are while staying true to that big goal. So for me, it's all about pushing and pulling between the strategy and the tactics in order to bring those big ideas to life. Well, tell me if I'm on point with this. One thing that I wrote about recently after having an interview with somebody was project management. Some people think this is an entirely separate thing as opposed to, especially if you're an entrepreneur or entrepreneurial, everything is a project that needs to be managed. It's not just a goal. It is a project and you do need those skills. I mean, is that spot on? Am I off missing the boat? You know, I look at it as as alignment to it. So yes, you have to manage it, but now we're getting to management versus leadership, right? So I look at leadership as being able to craft and have that big vision. The management side is making sure that the, the nitty gritty gets done and managing to all the pieces. Sometimes you need to have a bit of a manager. You need to have the project manager. You need to dot the I's, cross the T's, check in, keep people and hold them accountable. And sometimes you need to have the much bigger leadership perspective of it and setting that stage, setting that direction. So there continues to be that balance between the two of them. And I think most entrepreneurs really skip 
that getting things done in a project management way so that they are able to align that team. And the project management gets much, much easier, right? When you do have a big vision, when you do align the team, it's much less of the management pieces, but you still have to have those checks and balances to keep things flowing, to bring everything to life. Well, with mentioning teams, is from a leadership role and you know the big audacious goal, whatever you want to call that end result, how do you create a shared vision so it's not people overly stereotypical, punching in, going to a cubicle at nine, leaving at five? How do you get people to actually buy into your vision? Ooh, I, I love this question because that alignment is so critical and so missed. So I'm really kind of on a mantra of it's an 80-20 principle. I'm sure you're familiar with 80-20 rule most of your- Well, <laughs> you, just, you should explain it anyways. <laughs> so 80% um, will produce a 20% result and 20% of something will produce 80% of the result. So if you look at all of your client list, 20% of your clients are giving you 80% of your headaches. We all know who those 20% yes. is, and we always try to, to get better at not taking on those clients. We know we shouldn't, but it's also true a lot of times where 20% of your clients will give you 80% of your revenue. Those mm -hmm. are the fishes and, and really balancing those out and finding what is the 20, what is the 80, what do you want to lean into most? So when it comes to vision building, I like to say it is 80% the leader's responsibility to craft and build that vision. And it's only 80% because 20% has to come from the team. That's where you get the buy-in and alignment. And if they're not able to really take some ownership of that vision, it's never going to be truly aligned and truly actualized. So just like that 80-20 rule, you're putting 80% of it together, 20% is coming from the team. And when you look into execution, you need to have that 80% from the team get stuff done and make it happen. And only 20% is coming from you. So I think it's a really beautiful illustration to think of vision, not just as something that a leader is going to cast and a leader is going to share and disseminate, but something that everyone can buy in and participate in. Because they actually care about that. They're sharing the end result. Is that right? It's shared ownership. It's shared, okay. it's shared alignment to it. So even if you create a vision or a vision statement or a mission that maybe not everyone agrees with every single word, if you get complete disagreement and everyone is against it or not aligned to it, you'll have issues with the organization. You're never going to hit that vision or that dream. But if you can get people to take it and, and warp it to something that means something to them, something where they can add a little tweak or a spin off of it so it's relevant to them, that's how you get buy-in on that vision. So once you get buy-in, how do you avoid the forest through the tree syndrome where you have to be strategic and you have to be tactical, you have to be strategic, but what you, with that push and pull, there could be a lot of pushing or a lot of pulling. How do you be tactical well, the right way and not just be busy? A chess champion, a chess master. I, I heard this quote actually on a master class, which is tactics is knowing what to do when there is something to do. Strategy is knowing what to do when there is nothing to do. And so, go on. Right? I just tilted my head and she saw it. <laughs> That's awesome. um, so when there's something to do and you know what that path is, you've set that vision, it's time to do it. That's getting tactical when there's nothing to do or when there's ambiguity that's when it's time to be strategic. That's when there's confusion or question. And even when I look at leadership and management, right? Leadership, 
is, is leading through ambiguity and creating something new. Management is keeping things the same. And so depending on what you need at that time, and as a leader, as a business owner, you've got to be able to balance. Do I know what I need to do and I need to execute it? Or do we not need know what to do and need to figure out the path forward? Both of those are important and both of them play different roles at different times. How do you separate them then? Or how do you know what you're supposed to be doing? Is it there is, it's just, I have extra time on my hands. I should be strategic so I can get my team in motion for a new project. Or what is that, that balance? I would say if you know what your vision is, if you know what that big idea is, you know what the goal is. You don't need to spend time recreating that goal. If you're finding that you don't know how to achieve that goal or what's next for that, those are all strategic elements, right? So when you have that planning portion of it, if you are caught in the weeds and doing the same thing every day, now you're talking about <laughs> not working towards a bigger vision, right? You're just going through the motion. So I would use the barometer of, do I have a bigger plan? Am I working towards something bigger? How does this fit? Do I need to rework it? Do a simple start, stop, keep. What do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to keep doing? So do you have checkpoints? Checkpoints. Checkpoints work. How often should you have them though? Ooh, you know, you're saying a lot of shoulds on these. <laughs> I'm shooting all over the place. You are shooting all over me. Um, and it, it's stinky. <laughs> But, you know, the, sh the shoulds, there's no recipe. There's no specific piece. Everyone has what you should do. You have to find out what works for yourself. So if you have bigger visions and bigger goals, maybe you need to check in uh, with that vision every quarter, every year, whatever process works for you to keep aligned to it. If you have shorter milestones and checkpoints that you've built out for yourself, use the shorter term ones, but it's always a balance between them. And there's no right, wrong, oh, you have to do a 12 week sprint, or if you don't goal set every year or every you know five years, you need to go on a big vision quest. These are not set in stone numbers. And it's a little bit of the gut and intuition from the leader themselves and what they're feeling with that. So being in touch with your own vision, being in touch with where you're going is much more crit critical than checking a box. Uh, or checking a mm -hmm. box and saying, oh, I did that thing. But sending around consistent time for you to continue to align yourself with that vision is critical. So what if someone's a solopreneur or a co-founder, there's one or two people in the business, they get a vision, they have, they have a big idea they want to see come to fruition, mm -hmm. and they're starting without a team, what would you have them do? They're going to need outside help, but they're saying it's... We, I or we can't do everything. What do, they, what do they do? If you need to divide and conquer, it's always finding out where your strengths are and finding out where your weaknesses are. That, that's always typically the first step because you want to stay in that core zone of genius or you want to stay doing the things that you love to do and finding out what you're not great at and, and filling in those gaps is the easiest and fastest way to success because it keeps you excited and motivated because you're doing doing the things that you love, but sometimes you don't have the resources for it, right? Like there's always times where, hey, I'd love to hire an accountant or a bookkeeper, but I don't have that budget right now. And so mm -hmm. that's where getting tactical and knowing what you should do because there's something to do. So figuring out what that plan is and finding out the strategies for you to overcome those limitations or overcome some of those, uh, mm -hmm. some of those gaps so now you have to get strategic again because you don't know what you need to do. You don't know everything about accounting or marketing. So you've got to do the research and find a strategy that's going to work for you. So would that be if you can't hire people, is that 
offering them some kind of incentive down the line or finding it could be simple. And I've done this too, where it's just asking certain friends. I I'm bad at managing the details. We, can you just help me out for a little bit on this, or we'll give you part of some revenue. I mean, what kind of situations like that can the leaders face and say, Oh, you know what, even though I don't have a lot of money to hire a full-time person, I can still do X. Um, finding resources or getting things done is really, really the question, right? Um, there's lots of things you can offer someone. There's things that you may or may not want to offer them. Um, getting creative with that. If you are hell bent on saying, oh, I'm going to hire someone. This is exactly what I, I need to find a resource for this. Sure. Paying them down the line, giving them equity, promise of a future thing, share trading skill sets. Um, I see a lot of bartering out there as well, finding other cheaper resources online, uh, finding the courses. So it really depends on what you're willing to give up for that. I, uh, I tend to be a pretty frugal entrepreneur where I really like to figure things out myself and probably spend a little too long doing that and a lot of my own energy and resources. But I think it makes me stronger as an entrepreneur. It helps me understand more and more elements of my own business. But it also is, is very much the brand for it. And it's very much, um, I, I, that's how I want to keep my business and the strategy that works for me. I know other people out there that want to go capital raise and bring in a bunch of money so they can hire everybody to do the parts. Mm -hmm. It's a faster business idea. I'm more of the slow and steady growth. Doesn't mean I don't have clients and work with businesses that go out there, raise a bunch of money, have it, and then can go out and do all of the tactics because they built a really strong strategy and now mm -hmm. they have that gap analysis. So it depends on the approach that you want to take and figuring out what the options are. So if you're being strategic, I think so often we jump to what we know and then build a strategy around that. Just like you're talking about finding your friends, your network, your community, and finding other new innovative ideas to solve your challenges brings up so many mm -hmm. more solutions. So like we're talking here, I'm like, oh, I could go do that. Oh, I should probably go hire that person or I should offer them this piece. Uh, there's always new ways of, of figuring that out and solving for those problems. Do you have a story, whether it was you, a client, one of your friends, whatever it might be about, okay, I've got this big idea. Let's make it real. Do you, a favorite story, like I said, it could be you, a client, a friend. Yeah, I think when I think about tactics and strategy and, and especially being the leader and, and putting that 80-20 principle into place, I um, last year took over as president for a, an association. Um, and I stepped into that role without any sort of strategy, without any mm. sort of planning. Um, and it was very need-based and it was a very tactical decision. Hey, we need someone in this role. Megan's willing to do it. Good luck. And backing out of that tactical situation and saying, okay, what are the things we need to do right now? So being a little strategic, right? What do we need to do right now? Okay. Can someone do it? And filling those gaps, very shock and approach. Um, it, it kept people on board. It, it, it mm -hmm. kept things moving, but it wasn't until I was really able to step back and say, what is the strategy of this association? Why are we here? What do we want to be? What's exciting people other than just keeping, <laughs> keeping the ship afloat. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was able to really hone in on a vision or a mission about community and connection and how we were very different than our other associations or how we wanted to align with them and what we really had the vision for our company to be or our organization to yeah. be. That was when people really started getting on board. And that's when they started buying into it in a way that was very different than, hey, can you please, please, please stay on the board because I need a body right now. 
into, hey, I'm excited about this and I'm motivated and here are new ideas on how we can achieve that. So we were able to actually grow by about 18, 19% last year, um, which was felt fantastic considering a lot of my leadership calls were, hey, our chapter's losing members and we're, you know, we're drifting with this. So finding ways that not just motivated me or was something, a, a string that I could hold on to, but gave the team a tactical direction that they could focus on, really turn the ship around. How much, as far as the tactical side, did the team do and how much did you do? Or a better question, as a leader, how tactical should you be and balance it? Because you don't want to, I would imagine at least, you don't want to seem like, hey, you, go do stuff. I'm going to go sit over here in my puffy chair and drink a beer, but go do all this. But at the same time, you don't want to be, and I've done that, where I'm doing too much. It's like, okay, it's called delegation. Don't try and do it yourself. How do you balance those two? You know, it's giving people the ability to take ownership over it. So a lot of times, and what I started telling people is, Hey, this is the direction. This is our vision. We're focused on community and engagement. And I'd love to hear what you have. What do you want to do? What's your passion project? We've got stuff we have to do. We have the tactics that happen every single day, but what are you passionate about? What do you want to test? And I, I really made an entrepreneur culture because I said, look, we can test it. We're not going to break the system, but we can always test something. There's no fear of, of failure with it. Cause we're just going to move forward and learn but if you start going down a road and you don't like it anymore, or you don't think it's going to work, let's abandon it. And giving people the permission to opt out and to even abandon the ideas that they were excited about once and feeling comfortable myself say, look, it's cool. You've put some time and energy and resources into it, but if you're not going to carry it through the finish line, I'm not going to force you to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not going to be fun for me. I'm not going to be the one that's carrying the end of this and lugging it over just for the sake of that. So for me, it was very much about keeping ownership with the team members. Mm -hmm. um, of course, that vision and that direction, the big ideas for it, but then letting them carry it through and really asking them the questions. How do you want to do that? What do you need to make that happen? Instead of jumping and say, hey, I'm going to do this or hey, nobody's doing this. Let me step in and do that. That never works. And then you're holding a whole bag oh. of work. And especially at a volunteer organization, man, is it hard to motivate and keep people accountable for those pieces? Because oh, there's no financial gain, right? Like I, I don't, I can't say, well, you know, your check's not going to come in the mail this week. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if there's not a passion driver for it, and really leading a volunteer organization was so driven by motivation and passion and keeping people in alignment with that vision, keeping people excited about what their vision was for a project, what they wanted to do was so critical to getting anything done. <laughs> I, and look, I'm not perfect. There are definitely a couple of things I stepped in too much myself mm -hmm. and got a lot done and, and got tactical, but for the most part, I worked very hard on trying not to do that. So in closing with everything that we've spoken about, if someone says, okay, tac tactical versus strategic, I get it. And it makes sense. I don't have a lot of time to do everything that you just talked about. What one thing, if I want to get started, what's the one thing, if you're going to do nothing else, do this to get on the right track of bringing a big idea to life. Write out your plan for the idea and take one bite of it at a time. It, it, there's no way around it. If you are really serious about bringing a big idea to life, you've got to, you've got to document it. You've got to be able to put something together so that you can share it with as many people as possible, but you've got to have the plan and take one step at a time. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed by the big piece and just find out what you can do to make progress.
Excellent. Thank you so much for the insights and the time, Megan. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. You're such a fabulous interview. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing Podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.